This episode of the Check Out This Record podcast is brought to you by GuitarExclusive.com. Visit now for buying guides, reviews, and more. GuitarExclusive.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Rock and Roll Podcast. Check out this record. My name is Mark, and with me is your pal and mine, Mr. Frankie D. Hey, Mark. Hello, hello, listeners. If you've stumbled upon us for reasons, uh, for some reason, <laughs> like you typed in dyslexia, um, and don't know where you are on the internet, we're available on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music or wherever else you find fun find fine podcast so that's probably where you are right mark and now new episodes they drip and they drop directly to your ears every friday and of course they're for your listening pleasure so what the heck is check out this record great question thanks for asking frank this is the podcast where frank and i recommend albums to each other to check out and give a thorough review uh, we also have a wide variety of musical discussions like our Spotlight series, where we'll dig into a band's catalog and see what comes out on the other side. Or in our Versus series, where we pit two albums against each other and they do get out, Mark, for total stereo domination. Well, there was that. <laughs> Be sure to check us out on Instagram and our Facebook group. We like to drop additional context, and I'll hopefully want you leaving more of Frank's musical goodness and my random nonsense. That's right. And don't forget to pop on over to the world-famous Tube of the U and watch us make silly faces like we're doing now, right? And, and hey, man, we're just trying to put this show together just for you. Mm-hmm. If you've got a record you want us to check out, just drop us a comment wherever you, you found us. While you're at it, you know, like it, subscribe it, give her uh, like a high praised review, like a super awesome 12 booby uh, rating uh, while you're at it. And, uh, so I say this, Frank, you ready to get heavy, my dude? Dude, I was born heavy and Wait, 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 anyway, I was, anyway. <laughs> all right, I'm not talking about my weight here, I am not, this is heavy metal, Mark, or mm -hmm. sludge metal, maybe, for this album, but yes, to answer your question, I am ready, and Mark, why don't you chat us up on this band and this album that we're going to be talking about in this delicious episode? Absolutely, here's a brief history on the Doom Riders, uh, originally hailing from uh, the great city of Boston, Massachusetts, the band, as they uh, played upon this record or appeared on this record, however you're thinking about it, uh, consists of Chris Puppacecki on guitar, Jeb Riley of the band There Were Wires on bass. I don't know why I said There Were Wires was a question mark. I just assume that's the way you're supposed to say that band's name. Um <laughs> I mean, there's not a question mark there. I just said it that way. Uh, anyways, uh, Jeb is on bass. Uh, J.R. Connors on the drums and Nate Newton of Converge and Cave In on the guitar and vocals. Uh, the Doom Riders have released three full-length albums, all on Death Wish, Inc. Pretty cool name for a record label. Uh, started it, Starting in 2005 with Black Thunder, followed by tonight's selection, 2009's Darkness Come Alive. And lastly, 2013's 
excuse me, Grand Blood, in addition to a handful of singles and splits uh, with other acts like Coliseum, Boris, and Sweet Cobra, all of Frank's personal favorites. Totally. Uh, depending on which of these releases uh, you're looking at, the band gets classified a few different ways. Uh, some people say it's metal. Some people say it's heavy metal. Some people say sludge metal. Some say stoner metal. Some say stoner rock. Some say rock and roll. Some say hardcore and even punk. However you define this, one thing is certain. These dudes deliver on the heavy, fist-pounding, gnarly tunes that embrace the darker side of what rock and roll can be. Now, these dudes do uh, something you've heard Frank and I complain a bit about, um, you know, probably I would say like to no end, um, which is using the title of the song uh, and beating it pretty hard as the chorus. Um, I'll get into why I think it actually kind of works for this record. Um, You know, but we'll do that as we work through it, um, just so that we can explain it a little bit, because I think this is certainly different. Uh, I know a lot of people gave me crap about the Foo Fighters uh, and, and being critical of Dave Grohl there. But but hear me out on this argument. Check out this album, compare it to that last Foo Fighters hunk of shit, and you'll see where I'm going. So <laughs> let's jump right in, Frank. What were your initial thoughts on Darkness Come Alive? Sure, and, and right off the bat, I want to address that this is not the Nate Newton from the Dallas Cowboys, so it's a different Nate Newton. Oh, is that is that a dude? Yeah, if you're thinking of the guard from the 1990s Super Bowl champion uh, Dallas Cowboys, this is a different guy. But anyway, Mark, look, thank you for addressing the... Uh, the oh, sure. <laughs> I didn't know that was another dude. I know. <laughs> PC Franks for all sports references. Absolutely. I got the hat on and everything. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So thanks for addressing the stuff with the repetition. And, and yes, everything there's a context when we state our views. So I want people to, to understand that. But what are my initial thoughts? Man, this has a lot of influences uh, peek, peeking its head out, right? Uh, metal and its subdivisions, hardcore, punk. There's all nods all the way around to Maiden, Motorhead, uh, even Thin Lizzy. I was mm-hmm. really impressed in how much actually these songs were sung, which honestly, I don't think you get a lot. Um, in certain heavy types of music and and uh and if you do it could come off awkward then come off awkward here uh the production also gave it a very clean yet retro sound which was really great on picking up the little details uh now for someone that has like sensory issues this guy uh hearing a full range uh, of sound that this album has really like it, it was just settling well within the neurons so i felt very content in the moment so i, I was you know i was pretty stoked with the record very cool. Well, we're going to we're going to jump right in here. Um, as you're listening, you guys know we like to go track by track. You're going to hear me lump a few tracks together. Uh, that's because the band really was kind of using uh, some tracks to uh, if you heard last week's episode, Frank immediately went 17 tracks. Well, about five of those I are that, yes. <laughs> they're, they're interludes or they're intros or outros. Um, and they just use it to really kind of stretch out the sound of the album. We'll we'll talk about them as they approach, but it's going to happen right here off the bat in tracks number one and two, Fade from Black and Heavy Lies the Crown. Uh, the album opens with a long, slow fade in, fade in, holy moly, called Fade from Black, which is uh, really just a long intro into Heavy Lies the Crown. But it works to set this really dark and foreboding tone for the album. Uh, as well as get into, uh, or excuse me, as we get into Heavy Lies of the Crown, the band kicks right into overdrive and delivers a driving 
earth-rattling number warning of the pitfalls of being on top. Uh, Frank, pretty heavy opening pair here. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard not to say fade to black, just for the record, right. but, but I do like how this gets paired with Heavy Lies the Crown. I could totally see this being the opening numbers for when you see the band live. Uh, I love the riff here and, and love how it sets the tone uh, to almost really, you know, it, it, I would say it kind of holds back a little from the speed aspect, but we're going to get to speed later on. And, and this is, it's a really sludgy number about those warnings of what you mentioned, Mark. I mm-hmm. really couldn't think of a better way to open up uh, this album. So yeah, totally dug the opening numbers. Cool. Well, we're, we're moving right along here. Track three, Bear, B-E-A-R, Witness, Bear Witness. Uh, the song kicks off with what feels like a, almost a stampede on the drums and leads right into some awesome guitar shredding. Uh, everything within uh, kind of an earshot, though, so it's not too overwhelming, but it really builds very nicely. Lyrically, the song is about looking at, a figu- looking at the figures of history um, has presented us uh, for what they're for, warmongering, self-righteous, evil men uh, that uh, I got a pop-up telling me I need to update my uh, web browser um, that are hell-bent on, yeah, I mean, hey, um, they're hell-bent on, on domination and not moving the world uh, forward in any kind of positive way uh, and the fertility of trying to change that kind of thing from happening again. It's a, it's a touchy number. What did you think of Bear Witness there, bud? I think, and I thought that this had all the classic heavy metal themes here uh it feels like a chaotic roman battle and we're like right in the middle of that battlefield uh, with all this going on i love the hardcore influence here and the last part of the song i mean goes balls to the wall uh at the end and it's really a headbanger so i really enjoyed this tune mark awesome i was so worried you were gonna hate this record i'm so excited right now um track four knife wound uh i love how this song kicks off with some big ringing notes uh, from the whole band, then just kicks off into this fast-paced, dark number about standing on your own and not wanting what people are selling you, only for the tempo to drop to like this slow headbang as the chorus comes in uh, just twice and over and over. Uh, short, but radical. How, how uh... <laughs> I wrote a silly sentence, I'm sorry. How the wound of the knife cut you, Frank, is what I wrote. <laughs> Well, the good thing about their influences, Mark, is that it allows for variety on an album, meaning not every track is like the four to five minute mm-hmm. kind of heavy metal burner. Uh, we're treated to these under two minute tracks. Um, and I like when he's saying, I don't want your money. I don't uh, I don't want your life. I need your charity like a wound from a knife. Short and punchy, but it works. Oh, it's so good, right? Like punk rock quality lyrics over just the darkness. So good. Uh, So with that said, track five, Darkness Come Alive. Here we go. Title track time. Um, It's also the longest track on the album at just over five minutes in length. Uh, And the band uses each moment of that to showcase what they do so fucking well. Uh, Opening with these awesome palm muted guitars over the pace of a hi-hat, keeping fast time uh, just to move into the floor toms and build this really explosive first verse as the whole band really just kicks in. It's so awesome. Uh, We do get Uh, The title here repeated more uh, than a handful of times, uh, but as it's used to build kind of the dread of the song, uh, excuse me, the the dread of the song subject and less about a cheap chorus, it really kind of works. The guitar work here is really cool, and they use some big riffs and play off each other's tones, doing some soloing, but as mean 
uh, as they can and adding that that darkness to the album uh, that they, you know, really wish to express here rather than trying to show off. It's more it's more about setting the tone than showing off on a guitar solo. What did you think uh, of the title track? Yeah, I mean, the title track, this is what showcases what the band is trying to go for overall on the album, right? Uh, I, I love the intro and how it kicks into this fuzzy and riffy verse. So, um, yes, there is a repetitive chorus, but I think... And when we think about the subject matter, um, you know, when that darkness comes alive, it's it's an awakening of sorts and the best expressed in a song in multiples. And I think that's that's why this this works. Uh, this is not that more than this than that waiting on war Foo Fighters situation. Right. This is trying to fit the lyrical content uh, and, and the musicality of the song. So and I and I really like the guitar work. So uh, it, it works. It works. Beautiful. So. Here we have again uh, track six, Night Howler. This track uh, really just serves as an extended outro um, from Darkness Comes Alive. The idea here being that just we're exploring more of that darkness that has come alive and perhaps gives a little the listener a little room to breathe before they get into the next track. Uh, anything you wanted to add about this very uh, little interlude there, Frank? I mean, you said it best. Uh, you know, I look at tracks like this, especially when there's the quite a few um as like little walkways on the journey like as you're experiencing uh, the album so um they're there for a reason it works it's not just like an annoying minute track just to pass time you know (laughs) yeah yeah so we walk right i'm happy you said path track seven crooked path there you go Uh, in a very classic heavy metal kind of way crooked path is a straightforward song about a a quote-unquote wayward soul looking for a better life but is doomed by his past to stay uh, on his, well, you get it. He's he's on a crooked path. Uh, what I love about this song is that the tonality of it, if that's a word. Uh, the guitars here wail, uh, overdriving drums. The the bass is uh, just everything's just really crushing. As Nate Newton just really screams for a reprieve. It's it, I really think this is just an awesome, great punchy number. Um, I love these kind of big swing rhythms they get into from time to time from the drums and the basses the guitars really just kind of layer over it with some gloom and dread what'd you think <laughs> something the band uh, has been able to do thus far on the album uh, that's hard i think in this genre is really give us a grab bag of all sorts of different sounds and rhythmic styles uh this sound this song is a great a example of that i love the dueling Lizzie Maiden solos, uh, Newton's vocals, as you say, shred as much as the guitars do here. I think it could be my favorite on the album. Oh, cool. Cool. Mm-hmm. Track eight, Lions, possibly my favorite track on the record, but yep. not bad. We're, we're close to each other. Uh, it opens with this big, aggressive kind of marching drum roll on the snare, like an army approaching the battlefield again, right? We got that classic kind of metal theme coming up. And then the bass filling in uh, kind of sounds like black clouds rolling over, blotting out the sun uh, and any chance the enemy had of survival. I really love this. This is so cool. Um, Then it feels like we're getting into battle with some huge ringing guitars leading the charge, uh, including a pretty sweet guitar solo on the back half of the song. Lyrically, the song takes a lot from uh, the toasters if you don't mind me making a Scott reference, uh, insisting that you shouldn't let the bastards grind you down uh, and that you have the heart, Frank, of a lion. So, um, Frank, this song gets me fired up when I'm feeling like I'm over my head uh, and gives me the feeling that I can tackle whatever situation is in front of me. 
what it what it do for you? So it, it definitely gave me that war battlefield feeling for sure. I mean, the song is called Lions that they managed to deliver with giving us like this imagery of like a, a, a it's like a burning fire and then sunlight kind of penetrates through the middle of the tune. And, and I love the solos again, and I'm a sucker for dual lead guitars. So um, bring that on all the time, especially on that outro towards the end of the song, yeah. which is really, really where it gets impressive. So, I mean, another great tune, man. Radical. So uh, we're moving right along here. Track nine, Equalizer! Equalizer. Uh, so for people who don't understand when I make childish noises, I said Equalizer. Uh, here we have a track uh, where Nate says Equalizer a few dozen times, but as he's following it with different phrases and not just saying that one word over and over repeatedly, it doesn't appear quite as obnoxious. Dave Grohl, uh, anything after a quick intro, The uh, excuse me. Anyways, after a quick intro, <laughs> the band <laughs> aggressively, I, I like making fun of Dave Grohl. I don't care. Um, the band aggressively pounds this number out, uh, pushing their speed and tone faster and darker. The musicianship here is really what's impressive. Uh, the band is able to move from uh, part to part seamlessly without relenting its intensity. Um, I really dig how the guitars start ripping as the staccato drums and bass bring the song to an end. We just get this cool solo right there, and it just had me tapping my toes on this one. What about you? All 10. All ten toes, man. I was like, you're gonna have to watch YouTube to see what that looked like. <laughs> so actually, I you mentioned the band earlier, uh, sarcastically, that is this being one of my favorites. But I had a Coliseum vibe to this a little bit. Mm -hmm. I, I, mm -hmm. I kind of picked up on some uh, some of that influence, and I like how each lyric line gets the breakdown musically and then goes right into the chorus. Yes, you're spot on with the repetition. But let's be honest. In metal, right? Again, the context of things, people, it makes more sense as these songs were meant for like chants and war cries. Um, I enjoyed the song. Very cool. Very cool. Next, we get tracks uh, 10 and 11 together Night Lurker and Jealous God. Uh, so, Night Lurker really just serves as an extended intro for Jealous God. Uh, and the sound <clears throat> is just awesome. Um, I don't know, maybe I should be more specific than that. Um, with and without the extended intro, I think it just Jealous God really works as a number, but getting that nice long fade into it really kind of helps add a little bit more to that mood and that kind of um, what's the phrase I want to use here? That je ne sais quoi, that, that ambiance of this record, right? Which is really cool. Um, anyways, now that I've lost my place, um, I love how they managed to capture like the low rumble of a motorcycle uh, as it's just sitting waiting to take off that real low, like, you know, it's, it's amazing that they did that all with instruments and not recording an actual motorcycle. Um, Cause it, it just sounds awesome. Uh, and I also love that they slow the pace of the album with this number a bit. Um, it's really powerful way to speak to the band's name, right? doom riders uh in a way most bands wish they could connect their name to a sound it really works to kind of do that um as for the lyrical content this is pretty standard stuff for a metal band doing a song called jealous god uh you know we're not reinventing any wheels here but the idea here was to get uh your bang in your head and not overly worried about uh changing your life with cool lyrics so um were you banging your head or did i miss the mark on this one 
you know, this track fits the name uh, of the band. As to me, it's it's doomier than a lot that preceded this. And you get mm-hmm. that chunky build up here that's really classic metal. And yes, to answer your question, Mark, you have no choice but to bob your head up and down and maybe side to side and, 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 and all that. Yeah, and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Jealous, Guard, Jealous God, excuse me, is pretty standard for a metal band if you think about it. But the great thing with metal is it's just about the music as it is, the lyrics and the fantasy that's created behind it. So, yep. uh, again, you know, throw that into the pot, stir it up, it works. Excellent. Track 12, Mercy. 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 The rhythm section is on full display here on Mercy. It's sonically brutal and delivers on the heavy tones you've come to expect so far out of the album. Lyrically, we're talking about two choruses that repeat a lot, uh, but it works for the tone and the theme of the record to me. What, what says you, old chum? Well, I thought when we were doing Mercy, I thought of Uncle Jesse from Full House. When he's like, yeah, that's what I was trying to do. Mercy. Had mercy. <laughs> mercy. I I, I tried to burp it, but I don't know if it works. (laughs) So Mercy, the song, it's a ground-shaking hardcore song. Um, Again, pretty standard with Mercy and all things that come with it in a metal and hardcore song. But as you said, it works well here and at the position track 12 of a 17-track record. So, Yep. Well, we got another grouping here. We got tracks 13 and 14, Night Beckons and Blood Avenger. So Night Beckons would appear to be a a brief pan flute solo, question mark. I'm not particularly uh, up on my flutes, Um, which works really well as the intro into Blood Avenger, uh, a grinding, brutal number about about a creature uh, that will avenge all of the blood shed in the name of, uh, theoretically, false gods, I think. I read the lyrics. I wasn't trying to like read too far into it. That is, uh, I think it's a pan flute and I think it's something about mystical creatures and the narrator hopes to resurrect them in the name of revenge. Yada, yada, yada. It's heavy metal dudes. It's not supposed to be life-changing. It's just supposed to kick ass. Frank, does blood Avenger kick ass? Yes, dude. Listen, we're, we're getting a, a mythical creature in a mystical land feeling here, which I always also loved about this genre, uh, the mm-hmm. fantasy aspect had such a great touch as the world you know that world always meshed well with metal music uh i, I love i would love actually more concepts built around this world if, if the band's listening which i know they're not uh so i would be cool if there were more <laughs> i'd be cool if there were more more tracks like this absolutely so one of my uh gripes with this record is they did one of those things i hate frank they put blood suckers as the next track so you know me i don't want to hear that blood avengers is up and then blood suckers like well is the blood sucker a blood avenger or is the blood avenger going to go after the blood sucker not the point small gripe move some tracks around change the name i don't care either way this song is super aggressive and has some sweet ass guitar solos uh while we get chance uh of kill the blood suckers uh we also get cool lines like on the wings of the dawn we ride the thunderclap and battle cries in the first morning light onward to glory we ride any of those cool lines speak to your interests frank The sound of thunder, and I always liked clapping. So, you know, definitely mm-hmm. it, it fits there. I mean, one thing that the band has delivered on in this album is giving us their influences and putting them again out there for us to see. Again, I like this in the context of the album, and maybe even more so 
honestly than the song like itself i mean they could have given us a more sludgy number here but they decided to kick it up a notch with a few tracks left to go and again i like the kind of smart placement of that in the album so very cool well we're we're very quickly approaching the end here i know these 17 tracks went a lot faster than we thought they would right so the the last two tracks 16 and 17 uh untitled and rotter uh here we go uh final tracks the band treats it uh like they would any of the others with a big extended intro with untitled um which spills into rotter which serves as a a gigantic barrage of guitars bass and drums a sonic tsunami of sorts i wrote that line myself frank lyrically we hear nate really express some rage in perhaps his crudest expression so far on the album with lines like we're whoring out the reaper himself death disguised as glamour uh he's beating this heavy metal cliche a bit hard here but they serve to bolster the band's intensity and and sonic rage uh, a powerful way to end an already gloomy and doomy album what would you think well, I mean, Rotter, that's so metal, right? Mm-hmm. The yes. name of that. And it's pretty cool to me. It's very ominous and a dark way to end the album. So that's for sure. Yes, there's cliches there. But again, it's expected. And I guess if that aspect was taken away, if you think about it from the style of music, would, would it still work? And it's something to ask for sure. And I'm not necessarily sure that it would. So again, I think they, they fit it perfectly here for the closer of the album. Darkness comes alive. <laughs> well, that I, quite quickly uh, wraps up the track by track of Darkness Comes Alive. Frank, would you give the listeners your, your final thoughts now on uh, your venture into the darkness? Yes. Well, to add to our off-topic conversation, I kind of really want to watch Highlander now with this oh. in, the, in the background. Kind of oh, hell yeah. Lower the volume and just yeah. playing on. Maybe we'll make that a watch party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so if what is not a metal hardcore fan, um which you and more than likely, obviously it's not gonna appeal to you. But if you're a fan of one of those mentioned genres, then I think you should totally check out this record. It it blends with well, the podcast also, but it blends <laughs> so much uh in a way that it doesn't all those influences that They've done a good job of not having it sound stale at the end of the day, which is nice. Uh, as again, many classic elements, uh, which is what metalheads want, right? Uh, the production sounds great. The guitar work is awesome. Uh, the interludes, listen, I mean, maybe if I had to say something, maybe I could do without some of those. But again, context here, context of the overall album, it works. And I actually liked the shorter hardcore tracks because, again, it mixed it up. I mean, they could have gave us 17 tracks of a three to five minute sludgy metal tunes and you know by by track 13 i would have been i'm done with the album even though those songs could even be good it just would have been too much um so i i think that really played a big role into my enjoyment of this album uh so it was a great album to listen to and i'd give it a solid seven and a half out of ten so mark there you go look at he scored he just oh my god i'm so excited i was so worried you were gonna be like dude i don't even know that you know who i am anymore uh so for me This album is all about tone, intensity, and brutality, and it delivers in spades on all three. Uh, It's awesome. Excuse me. It it is awesome, but it sways between blistering, 
fist pumping motivational numbers to the depths of darkness and heavy head banging numbers. Uh, lyrically, the band doesn't push the listener too hard, but all of it fits thematically with the sound of the album and the band. It totally delivers on the age old heavy metal themes uh, of making scary music fun and cathartic. Uh, great job, Mark. Thanks, buddy. Great job. Now, you, you want to do our top list? Yeah, so wh while working on this, uh, I found a few cover songs I really enjoyed, but I didn't expect, so I thought it would be kind of cool if we made a fun playlist of unexpected covers. Um, you guys should know how this works by now. Frank and I each pick five songs uh, for you to check out and uh, put on a little playlist. Uh, so I'll kick us off, yeah. if that's all right with you, Frank. Uh, I'm going to... I'm going to keep it in the Doom Riders because I want people to, to listen to the Doom Riders. They're going to do uh, Girl You Want, originally performed by Devo. Uh, the Doom Riders take this play on pop music and give it a big, gnarly, heavy twist of distortion. Uh, and they just crank it all the way up. It's, it's super cool. Check that out. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, my first track is uh, the song Teenage Dream by uh, one of Brian Fallon's uh, side projects, Horrible Crows, which is now mm -hmm. just basically Brian Fallon solo. So I, I know he likes his pop hits every once in a while, but I didn't at the time expect a Katy Perry song. Uh, in short, <laughs> her song stinks, but the rendition of the Crows works really well. So, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my, my next one is uh, a, an artist I discovered from Canada, uh, Lisa LeBlanc. Uh, and she covers Ace of Spades, of course, originally done by the greatest band ever, uh, Motorhead. Um, Lisa LeBlanc, absolutely. So she's uh, she plays banjo in kind of uh, Canadicana, however, whatever Canadian folk music is. I tried, I tried to steal one from Frank there. Um, so when they do this, she's playing Ace of Spades on the banjo, and it totally rips. Uh, there's some live footage of her doing it. There's there's studio recordings of it, but check out the live footage. It looks like she's having an absolute blast. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, my next tune is Hurt by Johnny Cash. I mean, mm. yes. Now, he plucked very recent uh, songs at the time of those American recordings here. He did Rusty Cage by Soundgarden. I guess I just never put Cash and Nine Inch Nails together, but I'm glad it came mm -hmm. together as that track is absolutely incredible. Absolutely. Great, great, great pick. Uh, number five for me, uh, I like a little cake, Frank. Ah, uh, there you go. And cake likes a little disco. I will survive. Gloria Gaynor's disco masterpiece gets a fun, loving cake sound, uh, and it totally rocks a smile right onto my happy little face. <laughs> so awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So here I'm going to go with like a short, I think, I think I call it like an EP, but uh, so the whole Christmas songs by Bad Religion, like <laughs> whole thing, just get, you get nine songs here. It's fun. It's a fun record. I, I just, I never expected Christmas songs out of Bad Religion, but it doesn't really matter to me. I enjoyed them. There you go. Hey, as long as you enjoy them, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I want to get back to metal. I want to get back to Boston. I'm going to go with the Mighty Mighty Boston's doing Enter Sandman. <laughs> hell yes the ska beast of boston covering the biggest metal band of all time i i could have used more horns personally but they still rock as only the bostones can it's a fun number uh that's on a little ep that i highly recommend there's also um aerosmith a van halen there. there's a van halen cover on there and um aerosmith too and Aer aerosmith yeah. yeah yeah it's it's a there's it's a cool little ep check that bad boy out i think it's uh 
where'd the party go or something like that? You can find it. Look, it's the internet. It's 2021. If I got to tell you where to find it, you're a loser. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so my next is a, uh, mm-hmm. a, a three for one, but it's uh, the Beatles songs. I should have known better. Tell me why and you've got to hide your level eight. This is actually from the Beach Boys and their album Party mm. uh, in 1965. Now at the almost height of their creative back and forth with the Beatles, um, they, you know, they kind of obviously addressed the influence by covering three of their tracks right there on this kind of live record. Uh, it was yeah. a pretty cool thing to do, all, you know, given the fact that the media try to, you know, pit them two against each other. So uh, pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, my last pick for your playlist this week, folks, Joey Ramone doing What a Wonderful World. Uh, this one was on my wedding playlist for sure. Uh, Joey does an amazing job of paying tribute to Louis Armstrong here. Uh, the one uh, probably best recognized cover I picked, but uh, it's so well done. It's such a gem. Um, you know, we, we were celebrating the 20th anniversary of Joey's passing uh, just a few days ago here as we're recording this. And, uh, you know, I can't think of a better way to honor him than to to put that track on and just go, yeah, man, you know what? Yeah, it is a wonderful world. Beautiful, beautiful. So Mark found the recent cover of the Ace Spades, which really moved him. And I sent him then this cover of mm-hmm. Tango to the to Their Sore uh, by someone um, by, that goes by Chelsea Williams. Now, th- not um, unexpected that it was covered, uh, but more uh, unexpected as to how great and unique it was. Uh, mm-hmm. One of my favorite Tom Waits songs, uh, done with great vocals and a great arrangement. So she just didn't take the same way that Tom Waits did it and decided to just do it. Um, that way she, she made it completely unique. Uh, wasn't the same as the OG. And I think that matters. And uh, it was, it was really cool. And she's got a couple other, some good stuff there too. So that, that was my pick Mark. Very nice. Well, Frankie, that's one heck of a playlist we put together there, bud. If you don't mind me saying a uh, fun episode, very fun episode, Mark, very. Tell me uh, next week, uh, it's your pick. What do you have in store for, for me and our listeners for next week? Sure, Mark. And if you're getting to the part of the script, you see there's nothing there. <laughs> I, I do see that you wrote nothing there, yeah. <laughs> so, Mark, you've heard of an album. You ready? For, are you ready? Because this, this is right now I'm getting Mark's reaction, right? Here. I know. I'm so. Oh, I'm ready. Okay. You ready? Yep, I'm, I'm so, ready. I'm so excited. Hold on. Let me. All right, Mark. You know the double. Is it album? the best of Dewey Cox? Oh, well, actually, okay, I'll change it up if you really want. Me to. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I got. I swear to God, if this is Siamese Dream, or not Siamese Dream. No, it's not. No, I was gonna say. So you know that you you just said. So you know the album Melancholy Infinite Sadness, right? Yes. It's not that album. Oh, good. <laughs> okay, but but it's actually an album that we we've texted about. Um, and I wanted to revisit, and I think it would be a good one. So it's the album Vini Vidi Vicious by The Hives. Oh, okay. And we were talking about it, right? Yeah, because I, because I, yeah, Hives came to my mind for some reason. I don't mm-hmm. know why. I, I, I was thinking of like cool, energetic performances when before MTV went to shit. Um, I mean, maybe they could have always been <laughs> shit, but especially <laughs> when they really went to shit. I remember a uh, VMAs. I think it was like 2001 or something where. The Hives uh, were performing uh, the song Main Offender, and it was really, really energetic. And I remember us being in the band at the time, and I hate to say I told you so came out, 
And, you know, probably being the way we were, we're like, oh, well, you know, it's too much airplay. I don't want to touch it. But I felt like, hey, let's revisit that album. So okay, second album, V, VD Vicious. Uh, it's on Burning Card, Epitaph. Um, you know, I, I think it's got some cool stuff on there. And um, I, I would love to discuss it with you. Yeah, I, I probably haven't listened to this album in somewhere between 15 and 20 years because the record's 20 years 21 years old now so probably since we start first started hanging out and probably yeah yeah there's a good chance it's been at least that long so oh my my oh hell yes i'm looking forward to checking that out (laughs) good man good i i can't wait um thanks for listening everyone like subscribe suggest follow watch listen and more and most importantly be safe Bye bye